Let's start with some tough love, all right? You two suck. Say my name. That's what the kids call Prissy guy with the mustache. You're listening to Inside the Gillivers, talking all things Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. Brought to you by Stewart Travel Guitars. See the incredible stowaway travel guitar at stewartguitars.com. Also brought to you by Idea Bench, makers of hot rod inspired pedal boards and pedal board accessories at ideabench.com. Microphones for Inside the Gillivers are brought to you by Road Microphones. Now, please welcome your host, Eric Bra. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us for episode 20 of Inside the Gilverse, where we talk all things Breaking Bad, Al Camino, and Better Call Saul. My name is Eric Broadbent, and it comes with the most extreme pleasure to welcome tonight's guest, director and director of photography for all those beautiful visuals that we saw and love in Breaking Bad, Michael Slovis. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? My pleasure. I'm fine. Thank you. It's so good to see you. And I, you spoiled me tonight by popping into our software. I didn't have to do anything fancy or anything like that. So I think we're going to get right off the hop with a great show tonight. A bunch of people jumping in to ask some questions right away. Um, but before we get into the questions, you and I were just talking off air a little bit. Um, a little while back, you had a couple of things to celebrate. Uh, number one, well, you've been busy working, but you also had a wedding in the family. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, my middle child, uh, Jake, my uh, younger son, got married uh, three weeks ago here in New Jersey, and um, we did a socially distant COVID observant uh, wedding. It was, it was really very nice. Uh, we had a great time. Thank you. Nice. Well, congratulations to the family. That's a very, very big thing. And as I was telling you off the air, too, my, my better half here loves Halloween. Uh, the, you know, that's her thing. So uh, very, very cool. Uh, so we yep, got to decorate. We decorate. We have a tent in our backyard. We decorated the tent with a lot of Halloween lighting and all. So oh, that's good. good. Yeah, you know a little bit about lighting, a little bit. I think a little bit. Uh, a little yeah. bit. <laughs> that's good. So a couple of questions coming in right off the get go from our YouTube members. This one's from Karina. Um, this she says the episode of Breaking Bad you directed in season five, Live Free or Die, with the magnets is one of her favorites. Uh, you said that the magnet scene was uh, with the truck in the evidence room was influenced by Hitchcock's The Birds scene uh, in the playground with uh, Tippi Hedren and the birds landing slowly behind her unnoticed. Is Hitchcock a big influence for you? And can you also tell everyone about the awesome use of visual effects for that scene since it shows great use of them? Well, let's let we, let's talk about um, how we did that. Um, first of all, I mean, first anybody my age. Um, loves Hitchcock and pretty much in our house our our television is locked on to Turner classic movies. I mean I, I really believe that um one of the things that I speak to when I speak to colleges, which I do a lot of, I do a lot of film festivals and I speak to a lot of film schools and I do a lot of interviews. And I tell the kids today that um the first thing they really have to do is become film literate, which means watching movies from the 40s, 50s, 60s maybe into the early 70s. Um, and Hitchcock is certainly a huge, huge, huge part of that period of time. He was a master. And what he really what he really did extremely well, if you ever read any books about Alfred Hitchcock, was that he was a pre-visualizer. And one of the things that I most admire about his movies are is that they all, they all feel so intentional. And that's because he planned everything out um, ahead of time to... to uh, Alfred Hitchcock, the making of the movie was sort of secondary to the writing and the planning out of it. And I sort of operate in very much the same way. I really am a very, very keen, uh, very keen on pre-production and I plan everything out 
uh, to the minute uh, uh, before we go into shoot. The interesting thing about that episode was, and one of the things that we did a lot on Breaking Bad, and I don't know if they, they've spoken, if the, your previous guests have spoken about this, is that Vince is really an old school guy, loves movies from the 40s, loves movies in the 50s. Obviously, the, the movies that influence Breaking Bad, things like French Connection or The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, those kinds of movies um, came later, but he really likes old school things. Those, the only visual effects that we did in that, um, for, especially for the sequence where the magnet, the truck uh, goes up onto its side and everything in the room starts to move slowly, which was, which was my idea to sort of start small with a little paper clip and then the tricycle and all that stuff. Um, uh, we did that practically. That was not visual effects. The only visual effects that we did was we took we did wire work. We took out the wires that moved everything, which is pretty much the way they would have done it in the 1940s or 50s. So um, let's, let's talk about the truck going over on its side outside. Um, most of the suspense is in very standard uh, uh, photographic techniques. Uh, uh, shooting the the rheostat going up and the guys in the truck and uh, sound effects and whatnot. Then we just used a jack to um, to hoist the truck up onto its side, which we later for the wide shots we just took out. Uh, we painted out um, in VisFX. It's not that we we turned a truck visual effects wise or anything. We used a real truck mm -hmm. um, and we and we put it up onto its side. We made it safe so that we could once it was up after the hydraulic lifts took it into that position, we made it safe so that the crew and the cast could walk around it. And that was it. The room, um, the room with all of the items in it where everything started going to the side, we debated a lot of ways of doing that. I, I really had to think that through. And one of my original ideas was building a room a la Fred Astaire dancing on the ceiling and turning it over and having everything fall over. But that was too uncontrollable. So literally what we did was we, we built a set. We had one wall that had a lot of little holes in it and we ran wires to everything that we wanted to move. Literally, um, that's how we did it. And I would pick the, the individual items that I wanted to move and uh, uh, we would just shoot them and move them. In the big wide shots, it was literally um, uh, wires that went to the lamps that pulled the lamps across, uh, that pulled pots and pans and, uh, and, and hammers and whatnot off of the shelves. And, uh, and then, and then when they got to the end of the wall, they would just stick there. So they would hold the wires tight and I would just call out numbers. So we had like, I don't know, we had maybe six or eight prop and grips behind the wall with, uh, each of them holding numbered wires. And I would call out the numbers, you know, one, two, three, four, five, which we had worked out all ahead of time. And um, we just shot it. It went very smoothly on the day. It went without a, without a hitch. That's fantastic. And I saw some interviews where you talked about this before, too. Well, actually, I read some interviews where you were just bringing these ideas. You went to Vince right away and said, okay, I like this. Here's the paper clip. We're going to just move that first. And we're going to do this. And, yeah. and he was just like just loving every second of it, wasn't he? Um, I, I have to say that that um, uh, the collaboration with Vince uh, and all of the writers and producers at Breaking Bad was one of the most um, 
satisfying and and wonderful um, uh, experiences of my life. I mean, there's a whole, you know, don't get me wrong. Uh, Vince had definite ideas of what things should be, but he literally would say, Michael, take the ball and run with it. Don't, don't let me push you from behind. I'll pull you back if it's not right. Mm-hmm. And he never, ever did. I mean, literally, um, we were always encouraged to, to go as far as we possibly could. And um, uh, it was really a, a joyous thing um, to go to work on that show every single day and to be part of that. It's it's a real it become family. I'm assuming for you, like most people over these multiple seasons, you were there a long time. I'm sure you made uh, like become a family with them, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, but yes, we did. And 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 but but don't think that every single show evolves into a family like no. that because they don't. No, I I know it, that's a very that was a very unusual experience whereby you know where people who love the show go, oh my god, what a great show, and I my my response to that is thank you very much it's great but uh the show itself the quality of the show doesn't come close to how great the experience of making it was which is not always the case yeah shows that you love to watch are not necessarily shows that you like to work on i can imagine and we'll talk about there's a good question coming up in a second from Lori. she's talking about how you almost you know passed a little window and almost might have missed the opportunity we'll talk about that in a second but here's a super chat question from andrea noak she says uh, you worked on so many series and films. Do you have a favorite? That's like picking a favorite child. I know. Uh, do you have a certain wish or a series where you would like to work in the same way? You know, um, it's a great question. Um, I try to make every job that I'm going to, I'll give you the PC answer and then I'll give you the heartfelt answer. Sure. Uh, the, I try to make every job where I go worth the time the crew and the cast and myself to be there and uh there's there's different ways of doing that right i mean it can be an enjoyable experience to make a show um it could be a great high quality show and like i said before not every high quality show is joyous to work on for it could be a whole variety of reasons some of them have um have limited budgets let's say and it's much more difficult to get you the job done that you want to get done uh some of them have clashes of personalities it's it's it, it, it's it's um it, 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 there's a whole variety of things that go into making the experience um good or bad and then the show good and bad for sure breaking bad is one of the top experiences and shows that any of us have ever done i mean we have all stayed friends and in you know in contact with one another since that and here i am how long ago did i wrap that show eight years ago or mm-hmm. something like that or nine years ago and i'm doing an interview today for that <laughs> this does not happen right um uh this kind of stuff and now because of the time uh, eric there's 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 a whole new generation of people that are watching this show that weren't old enough to watch it back then and, um, and I get emails and calls and requests all the time because of it, because they're, they, they're just discovering it. It's the show that literally um, won't go away and, or die, and for good reason, um, because it's, in my opinion, it's up in the pantheon of great television, um, you know, uh, uh, with the I Love Lucy's and the uh, Sopranos and the 
honeymooners of the world to I, me. I think that's a very fair, a very fair answer for sure. What do, what do you think? This wasn't a question I had for you, but to answer what you just said there, like there's sometimes there's some magic on set and sometimes there isn't. What and and we're hearing the exact same things for Better Call Saul. I mean, a lot of the same team is over there. Um, no. Not all of them, but a, a, a big chunk. What are some of the magic ingredients of of Breaking Bad? Was it the writers? Was it the was it the crew? With little uh, the talent? Was it a little bit of everything? It was. It was. It, it was. It was just like if you went to a cocktail party and it worked. Gotcha. You know, you go there and I, can you tell me why the cocktail party that you went to a month ago was way more successful than the one that you went to six months ago? Um, it's just the chemistry. It, it's just uh, we were all on location. Being on location really helps you um, because you need each other. So you socialize together. Uh, but it was also the personalities. I mean, I mean, uh, the cast was just such a special group of people and they all knew how good the material was. And so literally none of us wanted to screw it up. It, mm -hmm. It's kind of that simple. I mean, when I read the material and, 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 and uh, hoped to work on it, my hope was that I just wouldn't go there and, and screw it up because it was such good material and you just don't come across good material like that then when it turns out to that yet you're working with people like vince who's just one of the sweetest nicest people around and certainly the smartest guy in the room wherever he is um uh that helps contribute to it and then you then brian comes in and uh betsy and you know uh dean and everybody else that came on i mean we were all friends and we socialized together. We would go out to dinner. We would have picnics. There were babies born on the, and, and people passed away on the show. And, um, uh, and, and, and it was like a family and everybody, everybody uh, embraced each other uh, with, with our real life stuff as well as the work stuff. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, and just to take a second as well, too, I want to give you some credit here, big credit on this. because You mentioned a couple of shows. I don't remember exactly. You said I Love Lucy and, and The Sopranos and things of that nature. Timeless uh, TV, um, you know, that will will always live. And uh, me being a musician, I like music that's timeless. I like Van Halen. Their music, you can listen to them 40 years from now. They're still going to sound like Van Halen. It's never, it's not really dated. Do you think that your, your approach to uh, capturing what we saw is, I, I feel it's, it's timeless. Do you feel your, your work is timeless as far as looking at it again? You know, we're not dating it with like, you know, people aren't talking about Facebook and showing necessarily huge, huge technology. Do you think you're able to have it? Do you think your work is timeless on that show? I, 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 it's I, it's not a fair question to ask me because I don't think of my work that way. I can, okay. I I I love what I was doing at the time. I had worked a very long time to become a. Um, I can tell you this. I, I I worked a very long time to become a DP. It, it's not an easy thing to attain. So anybody that you're interviewing or that you meet, like when you when you talk to Marshall, it's not something that you do by default. It's something that you have to have your eye on the prize and you have to. And you have to want it very badly because if you don't, there are a thousand people that 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 want that job um, from you. So it was very important to me um, uh, that when I found this material that that I was madly in love with uh, to do a great job. Um, uh, as far as the look, we didn't know at the time. All I knew was 
um, that I was encouraged to uh, to tell the story in the way um, that I saw it. And and there's actually like a, like a funny story that goes like this because when I got the call to do the job, um, I had just come from, I don't remember where it was. I was in Europe or something like that. As, uh, and I had just been shooting somewhere and I had just gotten home and uh, I, I didn't really want to travel. So I got this phone call and it was from AMC in New York. And they said, um, you were recommended to us to take for this job. Uh, I said, where is it? They said, it's in New Mexico. And I said, no, thank you. And I literally hung up the phone and I, and I walked away. And my wife went, as I was walking away from the phone, my wife went, what was that? I said, they want me to go to New Mexico and shoot this show that I've never heard of before. Um, and I don't want to leave home. <laughs> and she said, um, and she said, is it called Breaking Bad? Um, and I said, yeah, that's it. And she goes, call them back right now. And, 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 um, and tell them that you want to see the first season because she had seen the first season mm -hmm. and read a lot about it. And uh, so I said, really? She goes, yes. I said, but it's out of town. She goes, I know. And my wife literally, literally said, it's the job you've been waiting for to me because she knew my frustration with other kinds of shows. Sure. That I've been on. And, um, and, uh, and uh, which by the way, I had no complaints about because we were providing for a family and we, yep. you know, we're doing, do, doing the, the things that you need to do when you're a parent and whatnot. So uh, I called them back. It just so happens that AMC is located in New York. They messengered over that day, the first season. They literally got a messenger in a car, sent it over, and two or three hours later, I had the DVDs first season. And that night, my wife, Maria, and I sat down to watch it. And the minute those pants came down in the pilot, um, I turned to her and I said, oh, my God. I said, I'm going to go shoot this show. <laughs> and she said, she said, uh, I know you are. I said, I'm so sorry, but look at this. This is, it's the best stuff I've ever seen. And, um, uh, and then, so I called them back. I said, I'd love to do the show. And then I, I, I said to them, and I was, the, the, my initial contacts were with a guy named uh, uh, Vlad Volnitz and uh, Christina Wayne, uh, who were running the, the, the production at AMC at the time. And I said, look, I don't want to leave home if what you're looking the material is amazing and I'd like to do it, but I think that it should be, the look should be elevated. The graphic, the graphic representation of it should be elevated and, and, and the material is good enough whereby you can do some really, really amazing stuff with it. And it won't interfere with the story because I have all these theories about that. You, you should never really notice the photography and it shouldn't stand alone. It should, um, it should support and supplement the story. It should never be about the uh, about the photography. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. And so they said, no, 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 that's, that's what we want. We want you to go there and tell the story. And then I got on the, the phone with Vince and I said, I'd love to do it. And I was recommended to the job by one of the directors from the first season, my friend Adam Bernstein, who told Vince, this is who you must, this is who you should interview to come uh, consider doing this job. And Vince got on the phone and he said, no, we want you to come. I said, I don't want to come unless, unless you know, you want me to do the work. I don't want to travel away from my home to do pedestrian um, work, even though the show itself would never be pedestrian. It's so good. And I said, you know, you got to want it. And so I, they said, no, we, that's what we want. We want you to be a filmmaker. And they, they would go, it's American movie classics. We want a movie. We want it cinematic. So I got to I got to Albuquerque and we were shooting on the first day and 
we were in the basement of Jesse's aunt's house and I turned off all the lights and I had shafts of light coming through the windows and um, we were cooking meth down there and it was graphic and it was beautiful and the crew was looking at each other going oh my god what you know look at look at what we're doing here and Brian and um, and 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 Aaron were were you know were all into it and it was great and two days later I get this call from uh, from uh, uh, the network from the networker from the studio out in California going what the hell happened it's so dark, dark. we can't see anything oh my god like this is terrible and I said I knew it I'm done I knew it. I'm, I, you know, I'm out of here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go home, and I literally start thinking about packing up my cases. And right after that, I get a phone call from AMC in New York. Vlad and Christina get on the phone and go, "Oh my God, it's wonderful! Don't change a thing. It's incredible. We're so glad you're there." And, and an hour later, or 15 minutes later, I get a phone call from Vince going, "Oh my God, Michael, I just saw the dailies, and like, it's incredible." don't change a thing. It's wonderful. I'm so glad you're there. And a week later, I got a call from the network and the studio and they went, it's wonderful. We're so glad you're there. Wow. Just, you know, it's, and, 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 and so I ended up staying a few years. That is absolutely fantastic. So yeah, you're almost, can your desk, you're gone. We're not going to validate your parking. That's what you're thinking, <laughs> you know? Well, there is a great question from Lori. But it's good, it's good to, to say to artists of all sorts and, and you know, you being a musician, stand up stand up for what you think is right mm -hmm. and don't be afraid to to i mean vince literally said in the first phone call when i when we talked i'm going to hand you the ball and you run with it and um and and that's it's an important lesson and and i was just lucky to be working for somebody that had that philosophy to um to to to, to give people the freedom to uh to to love and embrace his material. Yeah. Well, I agree 100% for people that stand up for what they believe. And we just had a guest on Wednesday night, um, uh, John Christian Love, an actor from Better Call Saul. He plays Ernesto. Uh, you know, he was kind of an assist. He's Jimmy's friend and, and Kim's friend. He kind of worked with Chuck for a little bit when uh, Chuck kicked Jimmy out of the house. But uh, in real life, he's a devoted Christian, and uh, his he, he, his representation dropped him for being, you know, a, a outspoken Christian. His uh, lawyer dropped his lawyer uh, agency dropped him. Yeah. His age, everybody. So he had to get all new representation, and he didn't he didn't change his ways. And I, I applaud him. But the what you just talked about was a good question from Lori. So you've answered ninety percent of it. And I felt really bad because I missed Lori's question last week. She's a good friend. So, and I'll, I'll just read the question anyways. She says, I read that you initially turned down Breaking Bad. We talked about that. Even with your prior success, would you have considered this one of your biggest career mistakes had you not reconsidered? Um, and so, yeah, we can answer that. And how many times have you thanked your wife for telling you to take that job? <laughs> I like Lori. Yeah, she's um, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I thank her all the time. Uh, we're not we're not very much i told you so people right but uh i would have i really would have kicked myself for um not having taken it because i probably would have been an avid fan uh, of the show watching it but uh but you know listen here's the thing is for me to take that show meant uh picking up and going and living in albuquerque for six months and i you know i was not going to go unless my wife maria came with me at least for blocks of time. By the time we got to season five, we would literally pack up and move the two of us, drive across the country and, and live there for six months. So I don't do anything 
that's um, that's me. Uh, we're my we're a team. We have been for for uh, over four years, and 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 I don't take anything or do anything without uh, talking to her about it first, um, uh, especially if it involves travel. For sure, and that's that's and it sounds like a lot like my wife. Like obviously, we've been together a lot less than, than the two of you. Um, but I wouldn't be doing any of the things I do, and I always table ideas. Do you ever, do you ever go to your wife and have an idea and say, "I got an idea for this," and she says to you, "Nah, that's not a good idea." Does she ever do that? Does she? Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, we. I listen. The first thing when something is offered to me, I will hand her the script and say, "Tell me what you think." I mean, that's when I get when I get a script or I get a pilot or something like that. We will sit together and watch it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on the show called New Amsterdam now, mm-hmm. and I was offered five different shows in New York uh, three years ago, and we watched all the pilots together, and we decided uh, together which one uh, to do. Nice. Nice. And that obviously, too, like, uh, you know, so you can spend time together, too, like you can wrote things out. Okay, well, we'll have to we might have to pack up, like you said, go to New Mexico for a while. So obviously, you're tabling those ideas so you can be together, too. Um, here is another question that came in. This is from Bob Rich. He says, question for Michael. Uh, your, your work is terrific. Which movies have the most inspiring cinematography to you? I admire the visuals of Blade Runner, Apocalypse Now, uh, Crouching Tiger, uh, and um, what was the other one? I can't read the last one there, but anyways, in Crouching Tiger. So any like you talked about Alfred Hitchcock, of course, things like that, but other influences as well, too, that were very, very special to you. Um, you know, what you, the, 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 it's, I have a very different take on cinematography than a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. And um, those are all beautiful, beautiful movies, and they're all revolutionary movies. Um, I happen to like movies where the photography is integrated into the story and doesn't stand out. Uh, those are such strong films that you can admire the photography and still enjoy the films. I happen to really like um, invisible photography, mm-hmm. but beautiful at the same time. I don't know if that makes sense to a lot of the people that are listening or, or watching or, or or to yourself, but but it's um, it, it, the stuff feels organic to the story. Um, I'll be honest with you. Some of the, one of the things that I didn't like about working on Breaking Bad, and Vince Vince and I were in complete concert about this and in sync, was that directors would want to come on and everybody would want to stick cameras in toilet bowls and in sinks and in, you know, I mean, just you know, you name it. And 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 they thought that that's what they were there to do. Mm-hmm. And Vince's analogy, which I have taken with me. Uh, ever since the day one where he used it is is that that it should be like a beautiful ice cream sundae. It should be like a nice scoop of vanilla with some chocolate sauce and some whipped cream and some nuts and a cherry, and it should be delicious and wonderful. It shouldn't be a mess of chocolate, vanilla, pistachio, and chocolate syrup and nuts and pineapple and strawberries, and that ends up just being a mess. Yeah. It should be an elegant, an elegant organic piece of unity. And that's what we strived for on that show. Now, fortunately, the material was so good that like those movies that you just talked about, the material was so good that we could put a stronger graphic representation or what I call a visual vocabulary onto the show and it would support it. Um, And it would just sort of nudge it along or help it along. Um, And it wouldn't become about uh, the photography. 
uh, uh, some of the photography became a character that was not my intent to mm -hmm. begin with. Um, uh, but it certainly did become part of the vocabulary of that show. And, um, and, and, and the vocabulary of that show worked because of the material of that show. It's not that you can take that vocabulary and put it onto, you know, another TV show and, and, and still have it work. You know, you don't take that and put it on 30 Rock. No, 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 no. It's, it's not going to be, it's not going to be the same. That's right. I'm really glad that you mentioned this because I, I totally get what you're getting, uh, what you're, where you're coming from. I'm a, I'm a, a photographer, just a, a photographer, nothing, no, no more like in your work, but I do videos and I'm a photographer as well too. So I can appreciate it. Um, and it's raised the bar for the sequel as well too. I mean, Better Call Saul now has some, some big shoes to fill and they're doing, they're doing great, obviously. Uh, but uh, someone that you've worked with for quite a bit, Dave Porter, I've had him on the show here. I love his work. I mean, love, love, love his work. And he is in the kind of the same creative space as you were. His music, his scores have been quoted as being a character on the show. Brian Cranston said it, Vince has said it, you know, and it's like the good musician knowing, let's say you got a, a 20 piece drum kit, doesn't mean you have to hit every piece of that drum kit, knowing when to play and when not to play is crucial. And and you mentioned the word character. You said sometimes your your work has become a character on the show, and that's a point I was going to make. It does without you being, uh, you know, purposely setting out to do that. But how does one not step on what's the, the brilliance of the acting, which was great on that show? The casting directors, as you know, you work with casting directors, and you know, a lot of the different shows. They're the same ones that work on a lot of these shows: Walking Dead, uh, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, things like that. Um, how do you contribute to it without taking away? Like it just, it just comes with the talent and the, the practice and the the work that you've done over the the experience, right? Yeah, I, I think I think that that that's a fairly that's a very true statement. Um, you know, uh, uh, I I I knew the material was really that good, and I just wanted to support it. So I looked for ways to not get in the way, but to support the drama that was trying to be told. Um, it's not an intentional thing. It's an instinctive thing. And it's kind of who you are, right? I mean, when you, your music analogy was perfect because, um, uh, and, and you use a great, a great uh, uh, example of the notes that you don't play. That's a great big B.B. King thing, right? B.B. Mm -hmm. King was famous for the notes that he didn't play. Um, uh, I mean, he didn't fill in uh, lots and lots and lots of notes, but every single one that he touched was gold and magic. And, um, and uh, uh, I, I, I think that I tried to just not get in the way of the story. And if I felt myself going there, um, I would pull myself back. I was never, ever pulled back by Vince or the producers or any of the writers. Um, uh, they trusted me um, uh, completely with with the look, and that's one of the things is that 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 it's one of the reasons I stopped shooting. To be totally honest, was because on that show I had a lot of control. So the way people shoot things now is you shoot and you get a very broad. Uh, 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 dynamic range in terms of in terms of your video or even on film people when they still shoot film they still shoot the walking dead on film but they transfer to a broad dynamic range and then you can sort of color and do things later on 
the way we did Breaking Bad was um, was like an old school movie. Uh, I would color my dailies on a daily basis. Every single day, I talked to the colorist, and we burned in the color. You couldn't change it. If I showed you screen captures from the dailies that I got, which is how I looked, because we didn't have all this technology when we were doing the show, I would get screen captures that were emailed to me. Um, uh, if I showed you those, it would look just like the show that you saw in the end. Wow. Um, uh, and 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 so it became very easy to put the shows together at the very end of of the of the assembly process. Um, uh, and if there was something that I didn't like in the dailies, I would go back and I would retransfer it, and I would say. I want you to take reels three and four from yesterday and retransfer them and take away the magenta or add the green or do whatever, do this and this and that. It's a small amount, then no. If it's a big amount, then yes. And what ended up happening was they went to, they ended up in a situation whereby the shows were finished very, very quickly because we did all the work in camera. Things like that golden look that you saw in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Well, we went, Vince and I went on a search for that look. And, and that was all filters on the cameras. You couldn't take it away. It was in there. It was burned in. Baked. Um, uh, baked in. And, and, and I would shoot a reference card of a neutral color, and then I'd put the filters in, and we shot it with it. Um, you could take it out, but it wouldn't look very good. Yeah. And we, we went through a whole bunch of different colors to try to find the right color for our Mexico so that every time you went to Mexico, you knew where you were, and that's – you know, it was my idea. I said, I really want to open up the season since we started that with Brian's episode in Mexico. I want people to know that we're somewhere different right off the bat, that it's a different kind of a place. And uh, and and he bought it. And Vince and I, Vince loves, 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 loves photography and, 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 and cinematography. And uh, there was one year where we tried to convince the studio and the network to let us shoot it in widescreen. Oh yeah, I heard about this. <laughs> yep, I came up with this idea that we and Vince and I went went to them and it didn't fly. Old Western, right? Kind of a West, you know, Wild West. It would fit. Yeah, yeah. It would the good, totally... the bad, the ugly. Yeah, it's, it's it's um it's that's what we wanted to do. That's that's insanely awesome. Uh, and it's so funny. This perfect timing, too. I, our fans, I tell you, they're right on the ball with this because the question was just coming up as you start talking about this. This is from Karina. She says, uh, can you tell us about the job of the colorist? You, re- you referred to the dailies and the final colorist on Breaking Bad as the unsung heroes of the show. So, yeah, you kind of talked about that a little bit. But, yeah, the, the colorist, uh, the job of the colorist is, is amazing in some of the shows that you've uh, worked on as well. And obviously a big nod to you, too. Um, but, yeah, talk about the colors a little bit. So, so the way that we would do it, we, uh, I did it very, very simply. Um, there is an, there is a, uh, a tool that when we shot film, Breaking Bad was, was 99% shot on film. And when you shoot film, uh, the most important thing is finding that neutral light so that everything that the cinematographer does um, uh, is, is then expressed in the final coloring. Um, you, you want to avoid a situation. I wanted to avoid a situation whereby they were going in and changing all of my footage later on. Mm-hmm. So I would give this neutral gray card. It's called an 18% gray card to the colorist. And I would shoot it on the set and it would determine what the exposure was. He would look at it in the transfer facility, set the machine at 18 per- 18% 
And basically then he knew what I was looking for. Now he might go up and down just a little bit, but for the most part, he just would let that thing ride. And uh, he saw at that point, because that was, that was a reference and an 18% gray card has equal amounts of every color on the spectrum that's photographable, right? So everything from no light to uh, blackness to white every, and everything in between. Um, and so every, then what you do, how you manipulate it on the set um, would then be uh, evident on, on the transfer. He would put those numbers in and those numbers would carry over to the final coloring when the, when the show was edited and all they had to do was plug in those numbers and boom, the show came out uh, 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 looking like the way we wanted it. Um, and at the very beginning, you know, Vince was very deferential to me, um, which just doesn't happen. Um, you know, the colorist would say, what do you think about this? And Vince would go, I like it. We should check with Michael. Wow. It, that, that, just, that just does not happen <laughs> in commercial filmmaking, it, and which is one of the reasons why I stopped shooting, because it would never happen again. And yeah. um, I am grateful. But he, the important thing about that is there was consistency from the conception of the photography and the storytelling all the way through to the finish. And it can't be four different people's jobs. No, it has to be. If if you're a director of photography, then you you've got to direct it from the very beginning, right through to the finish. I mean, I mean, in the old days, people like Gordon Willis and you know would um, Laszlo Kovacs and all those people, they would go to the printing sessions of their films. I mean. They would, they would look at dailies every day. They would monitor how the dailies were being produced, how the lab affected their exposures and, and their, and their uh, sensitometric curves. And then they would go and they would do the coloring at the very end and they would see how the prints come up and they would supervise the internegatives and all this other stuff. So um, uh, I knew that that was, that was sort of disappearing, at least for people on the, on the level that I shot. And, um, and, and so it, it was one of the things that helped nudge me out the door i got it well this again our fans being the the the, the savvy that they are there's a great question leading into that as well too so it's a comment and a question this is a, com a comment first from nat she says great video and audio quality tonight while well, michael slovis is here so i could not have his inferior quality so that's why actually i just got lucky but i, I i'll take the, we'll take the credit and she also says uh what made you okay and you kind of answered it but uh what made you make the jump from dp to director and how long were you thinking about it before you actually did it you know, um, it was it was it was a long it was a long uh, transition. Uh, I I started working on a TV series called Ed for NBC and Paramount that I was shooting in uh, in New Jersey, and it's one of the, my favorite experiences as well. It ranks, you know, right up there with Breaking Bad, um, with Julie Bowen and Tom Cavanaugh. And, I mean, it was just it just was an exceptional um, exceptional experience. Um, and 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 at the when that show was when that show was ready to wrap, there was one episode um, left uh, that they didn't have a director for, and uh, everybody was vying for that one episode to to direct it, and um, the producers, um, Rob Burnett and, and John Beckerman, told everybody that we want to give it to Michael because of what he brought to the table, which I was so appreciative of. And so that was the first commercial directing that I that I had done after films that I did for film school, pretty much. Um, and then everywhere that I went afterwards, um, I would go and I would 
shoot a little bit and I would use the fact that uh, they want me to shoot to get an episode to direct. So I did that on, I did that on, uh, on CSI. I did that on Rubicon. I did it on 30 Rock. So everywhere I'd go and shoot, I would ask to, uh, to uh, direct an episode. And that's how I built up a reel. I don't think I was, I don't think I was the kind of director that just came out of the gate and everybody said, Oh my God, you know, genius. Uh, he's got to be directing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I felt that about myself. I have, I have so much respect for the job of the director that I felt I had a lot to learn. And I wanted to still be around people who really knew what the hell they were doing. And uh, being in the position, the seat, the DP seat, you always think you can do it better. But um, the minute you start directing, you realize how hard that job is. I can imagine. Well, as we talked about earlier, with the casting directors that work on a lot of different shows that you're part of and we're part of, uh, like I, I was a huge Walking Dead fan, probably probably before I discovered the the Gilliver, so to speak. And I've kind of, I was, I'm good friends with Glenn Mazzara. And so when Glenn left the show as a showrunner, I, I, I liked the show, but my buddy left. So I kind of had a personal feeling and I didn't like the show as much. But it was nice to see people like Greg Nicotero, uh, you know, graduate into, you know, directing and has done some great jobs, great great jobs. And um, how many Amazing. how many did you direct with Walking Dead? A couple? I forget. Uh, uh, I think it was four. Four. Three or four. Okay. Yeah. Did you like? Uh, now- it was a great show to work on. I loved it. Um, in fact, I was texting with Greg today. Oh, nice. Um, uh, yeah. Um, he's, he's a lovely guy. And uh, uh, before the advice I was given... Um, when when I went down for the first time to uh, to direct on on the Walking Dead because there's a very steep learning curve on the mm-hmm. Walking Dead you have to come out of the gate really knowing what the hell you're doing um, was just talk to Greg defer to Greg talk to Greg listen to Greg and I did <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and um, it worked out well and I got it the the, the Walking Dead cast was so similar to the Breaking Bad cast and to my cast actually on New Amsterdam. Um, they were just all super delightful, wonderful, friendly people. Shows shows like that, very the cast very often take on the personalities or are, are led by number one on the call sheet. And Andy Lincoln is just one of the most special human beings uh, working in the film industry uh, or television today, he's just such a such a good guy. He was my favorite. I mean, I tend to have my favorites in the shows. Obviously, uh, Rick was my favorite on the show. He's got a couple things coming out doing uh, for Christmas. He's got Penguin Bloom coming up. Actually, that's in the new year. That's gonna be good to see. But uh, you, next time you're talking to Greg, you can tell him this: I come that close to meeting him. My son and I, we were attending uh, Winter Nam in Anaheim. It's uh, for the musicians convention, right? And Greg walked right by our hotel, literally walked right by our hotel, because he's a musician. He's probably checking out the Gibson booth. He's a big Gibson fan. And he's walking by, and I said, I mean, you can't mistake him. His hair is just blowing in the wind. And uh, I was like, Greg. And then I noticed he had earbuds, uh, AirPods in, right? And so he didn't hear us. That's the closest I ever got to him. But I I love his work for sure. But here's a speaking of music, we're going to go back a little bit. Uh, This was a question from Lori. She says, and I didn't know that you play. She says, what was the most difficult for you to learn playing the fiddle or playing the guitar? And what is your favorite? Whoa, 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 whoa. So I didn't not, know. I didn't know. So I'm educated. I'm schooled here tonight. Like it doesn't, and that's not the uh, first time. That's really, <laughs> somebody, somebody's heard me talk or something. <laughs> I'm looking around to see if Laurie's somewhere around here. Yeah, um, there's a camera. We get the big brothers, big sisters listening. Uh, learning to play the guitar is the hardest thing I've ever done. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, I find it very, very hard. It, it's the style. Um, when I was, when I was uh, 18 years old, 
um, I discovered uh, uh, traditional Irish, Celtic, Welsh music when I went to school in upstate New York. And um, and I sold my beautiful Blue Sparkle Slingerland drum set, oh. to uh, which I wish I had now because sure. they're worth a bloody fortune, those things. <laughs> yeah. And and I bought a fiddle and, um, and, and I took fiddle lessons and I played Irish and Celtic, uh, English, Welsh, uh, uh, fiddle tunes for years and I and I still love the music when we got married in New York we had uh, I used to play when I moved to New York I had no I no friends I didn't know anybody but I could play the fiddle and uh, I would go to sessions in Cayley's in Irish bars in New York where if you showed up with a uh, an instrument you got free beer and so okay. uh, and so <laughs> that that was my social life for the first couple of years that I was in New York City that's smart uh, that's smart <laughs> well, I, I wasn't very good, but I would learn, and I'm obviously not Irish. Uh, but I had a little realistic, uh, a little realistic cassette recorder, and I would record the songs that they would play, and then I'd go home for the weekend. I would learn those songs. I'd go back and I would play them. Um, and uh, but when I was in, it, it's tied into to Breaking Bad. When I was in New Mexico, um, I needed something to do on the weekends because I was alone on the weekends. And so I started taking guitar lessons from a really amazing guitar teacher named Dan Dowling down there, who's a, a, a well-known jazz, uh, jazz guitar uh, player. Um, and uh, I, uh, I always wanted to learn three-finger picking blues style guitar. And um, it, I'm still working on it. I mean, good. It's really hard. Good. It, it it's good discipline, right? I mean, I'm sure you, things like that too. It discipline for your your regular job, but that's that's good to hear because being a musician myself, I love that. And there is so much musical talent in the Gilliverse. You know, throughout oh, yeah. throughout these these shows, like I I know off the top of my head, like five guitar players, so the actors and things like that, uh, singers, uh, uh, Patrick Fabian, great on the piano. It's just so much talent. I mean, obviously, people that are in the arts have multi. They've got more than one egg in the basket, you know. Yeah, Nicotero also. Nicotero's office looks like your. What I'm looking at in your background too. You nice. walk into his office. There's a bunch of uh, zombies and walkers and things like that, and then there's a bunch of guitars. Nice. You know, sitting in, and he might just be. He might pick it on. Sit there, play while he's, you know, talking about special effects or something. Isn't that cool? One of these days, I'm going to talk to him. I'll talk to him probably 90% music, and then we'll talk 10% Walking Dead. And I think fans will love that too, because it's not just always about the show. But that's fantastic. Let's talk literally for a second about you mentioned um, New Amsterdam a couple times, and you know you're working right now. It's we're kind of stuck right in the middle of this pandemic. It's you know hasn't really gotten much better. Can you share with our viewers how you've been able to um, work? You know in this in this type of environment, and you were sharing a few things with me off the air. It's not not necessarily always the easiest, but uh, share how you're able to do it. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm working on a, a show for NBC. I decided three years ago that I didn't want to. I didn't want to travel anymore, and I wanted to work at home. I have um, grandchildren, and I have uh, an elderly father who's still with us um, uh, and doing well. So uh, I wanted to be here in New Jersey or in the New York area uh, as much as I possibly could. So I didn't want to travel out of the area. Um, so I took a job uh, on this show um, uh, that I was very impressed with on the on with the pilot and. I'm so glad I did. It's it's just a, it's a wonderful experience. We have a great cast, and actually, we we really do tell um, uh, important stories with a heart. It's a, it's a show with a heart. Um, I'm also very very fortunate 
I'm very, I'm very, very fortunate that I'm working for uh, NBC Universal Television, who have really made it possible for us to go back to work um, without compromising safety um, uh, as much as possible. They have been extraordinary. I am so grateful that I am working with these people now because um, our testing protocols, I, I talk to a lot of people that are working now and I'm on a couple of threads with, with directors that are working all around the world and, and, and producing directors that are working all around the world. And I have to say that our safety protocols are a platinum standard. Um, and it's because of that, that my cast and crew all feel comfortable enough to focus on the work at hand. Now it's not the same, it's not the same set culture as, as, as what we had before at all. It's nowhere near. Um, uh, everything is, everything is built around safety for the actors. Um, we have testing protocols that are, that are rigid and you cannot get on our set. We have colored wristbands. Uh, we're broken into pods and zones that you, you just can't get close to the actors unless you, uh, have the right wristband and you get by security and you're, and you're tested. And there's a whole lot of protocols that, that, that you have to go through in order just to get near the camera or get near the actors. Um, the cat, the, the cast wears masks for um, rehearsals, they take them off just when we're ready to shoot. If it's, if it's part of the scene that they don't have a mask on. Um, and the crew wears masks and face shields all day. So, and they're, and I, I respect them so much. We, when we get to work in the morning, you, you, you don your, your face mask. I wear a KN95 face mask because I have, um, I'm a little more vulnerable than somebody who might be 25 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but, uh, uh, I, I, I wear a KN95 mask and I wear a face shield all day. Um, we have, uh, very strict, uh, social distancing requirements. We have, uh, an amazing COVID safety team that is constantly on set, constantly walking around, constantly telling people to separate because crew, uh, film crews are social, are social people. If you don't like people, then uh, being on a film crew is not the job for you. And, um, and, and because we've been together for three years, we are like a family as well. And we have to be reminded, even me, even me, um, uh, I have to be reminded. Somebody has to come by and say, uh, 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 you know, separate. We are now going to uh, digital contact tracing, which buzzes on your arm if you get too close to people and reminds you that you're. So this is all NBC, and I, and I have to say, just I can't. I don't have enough kudos to for them to or 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 enough words to to show my appreciation on behalf of the cast and the crew to them for for what they've done for us. It's amazing. But that's how we're doing it. We're doing it. Um, a little more slowly with a few less people um, and uh, safety first. And uh, we, I, we modify the way we shoot things so that uh, we can still make our days and we've shortened our days a little bit. Um, and, uh, and, and so far, uh, so good. Hats off to NBC for sure. Now this oh my God. And they've got, and they're, they've got a ton of shows that they're doing this on. And every one of the showrunners that I speak to, says the same thing they they are so pleased and 
and, and, and appreciative of the support that they get. That is great to hear. And this might sound like a silly question. We're going to wrap, wrap up here soon. But and, and my when I do videos here at home, um, you know, I, I, I should be wearing glasses. My vision is absolutely horrible. If I need to read instructions on a pill bottle, forget it. I have to take my iPhone out, take a picture, zoom in and whatever. So my son, when we do when I do when I do demonstration videos for products, my son will be my focus. He's my focus, my eyes, because I can't trust my eyes. You know, so when when these people are on set is maybe wearing glasses like yourself, then maybe a face shield. Does it become even more challenging for pull focus and things like that? Is it that I mean that's probably upping the game a little bit too? Um, are you talking about on the technical side? For yeah, focus, yeah. Or, mm-hmm. from, or from my point of view, watching. Well, um, maybe maybe you or or on the technical side as well too. Like just having several layers of of additional glass plastic. You know, does that does that kind of inhibit inhibit the uh, the focus? There are a lot of tools out there for 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 uh, first assistant cameramen nowadays to help them get this right. Okay. Um, uh, we have two extremely talented, very experienced focus pullers on our show, and um, uh, I couldn't even be, come close to doing what they do. Um, and because we shoot fairly wide open to keep that film look um, very shallow focus, so that the backgrounds fall off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 I, I would not even be able to come close to doing what they do, but they're they're amazing and 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 but they're very experienced in there, and they also have now more technical tools to help them do it with very high resolution monitors and focus assistant things and so yeah there are and for me it's hard all day I have to say it's very difficult for me because my eyes get strained and they start to itch after a while um, and I ha- I have to force myself to a Drink a lot of water and keep actually my eyes hydrated mm-hmm. and be step outside to the fresh air, uh, whether it's raining or cold or whatever, and just take the mask off out on the street for just three or four minutes. Uh, you know, when I'm not around anybody, just so I can get some real oxygen. Yeah. And it might sound silly, but letting your eyes breathe, you know, yeah, yeah. getting back. Yeah. And adjust for sure. That's that's the thing. I've I've shot some things before, trusting my eyes, and um, downright embarrassing. And believe it or not, one time I was actually recording a video and uh, a demonstration video, and video was good. And the the microphone I'm talking into right now, it's a front diaphragm microphone. You can't see it because of the sock I've got over it, but it got turned in the uh, in in the mount. So I'm talking into the back of the microphone. And I don't like to shoot on my own. It's always good to have someone with you. You know, being the ears, the eyes, whatever. And I watched it back, and I and. I was talking to the, it sounded like a Taco Bell drive through I was like, what can I do? I've, it's gone. It's, and then you don't even want to do it again. Like I, I know that can't, can't happen to you in, in the, in the working world for someone who's just independent. It can, and it does. It's just so disheartening. But as we, we get, have, you know, it's very, strat- we have stratified responsibilities and, and I mean, each camera has a team that works on it. So there's a, there's a dolly grip, there's an operator, there's a first assistant, a second assistant, a loader, I mean, there, so there, it, it takes, it really does take a lot of people to do any of these shows that we're talking about um, and, and get them recorded uh, on a professional level. For sure. I agree. I agree. That, that's right. We're going to wrap up here in just a second here, but I want to thank you. This has been an absolutely enlightening episode. Uh, I, I knew we were all going to love this. The fans are going to love it. I'm, I'm selfish. I really enjoyed it myself. I had a great time uh, speaking with you and uh, made a lot of mental notes. It's been a pleasure here. It's nice to see you working out there, uh, delivering great uh, film that we all love, TV. And uh, just thank you so much for what you did for the Breaking Bad universe and uh, subsequent what's now is, you know, let's raise that bar. It's it's, it's amazing. And uh, you're, you're a rock star in this world. 
Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. No it's problem. Nice, it is it is nice to work on stuff that you you feel good about, but it gets appreciated. Agreed. I want to also thank a few of our people here as well, too, uh, for tuning in. I want to thank our channel members. We have a new member here tonight as well, too. Will Starr. Thank you, Will. Will's a YouTuber himself doing some great things. Our Patreon supporters, our channel moderators, our YouTube subscribers, Super Chatters, people donors, donators, and those that buy our merchandise at the Broadstash Boutique. We thank so much. A big thank you to my beautiful Sandra Lee. As you're talking about how important your wife is in your life, she's so important to me. I would not be able to do these things if it wasn't for her. And uh, trust me, I have some ideas. Many, Most of my ideas are V2 and uh she and she encourages the good ones and there's few and far between but she gives me great ideas so a good lady in our lives is uh very very important i'm sure you agree on that one indeed for sure don't go away i'll say goodbye to you off here everyone tune in next week next friday same time actually it is wednesday i for, forgive me on that 9 p.m eastern on wednesday 6 p.m pacific we have jennifer hutchinson uh writer uh, better call saul she's gonna be joining us and we're gonna have a fun evening then for sure i'm getting ready to wrap up 2020 inside the Gilliverse. it's been a fun year just getting started with this and lots more to come in 2021 be safe out there everyone so a lot of these people can get back to work it's starting to happen now but the safer we are at home doing our things the safer everyone the faster everyone can get out there as well too have a safe weekend be be careful out there and until next time cheers Thanks again for tuning in to Inside the Gilliverse with Eric Broadbent. Be sure to check back each week for more great discussions and interviews with cast and crew from Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul.